This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Stephen Cox. Hello. This week, what if there were a way to channel the creation and sharing of content and memes on social media that actually moved the needle and helped elect Democrats? Well, that is the brainchild of my guest, Nick Knudsen. He is a Portland-based blogger who recently launched Demcast, which offers a new model in online activism for the left. Then, in the face of the opioid crisis, Tacoma has recently become the first city in Washington to participate in the Safe Space Program, which offers an array of treatment services in a Tacoma Fire Department station to those suffering from addiction. That's all coming up, so stay with us. So if you are anything like me, and uh, you know, if you're listening, you probably are a little bit, you spend a lot of time online reading and writing and reposting about politics. And this can get kind of a bad rap. Uh, some people call it slacktivism or worse. But what if there were a way to channel all of this energy so that it actually made a difference, specifically in getting Democrats elected? Nick Knudsen is a political blogger who has just launched a project called Demcast. Demcast takes existing and original grassroots content and uses a network of social media influencers to amplify that content with the intention of changing hearts and minds and electing Democrats in 2020 and beyond. And I will mention that this podcast is now proudly affiliated with Demcast. And so, Nick Knudsen, uh, it's good to talk to you, man. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So how did I do? Is that a pretty accurate description of what Demcast yeah, I, is and what it does? Totally. I, I think I can just hang up now. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, we're not, okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Uh, so, you know, you are a political blogger. Uh, you put a really solid uh, readership together with Demrite Press. So then where did the idea for Demcast come from? Yeah, uh, well, it came largely out of that experience. Um, so during the during the midterm cycle, I, uh, I started my own blog, uh, Demrite Press, and it did really well, largely because... Um, I had also simultaneously gotten really involved in the sort of uh, the social media sphere and the, the political sphere on there, especially on Twitter. And so putting those two things together, basically like creating content and then using uh, both my, my account and, and friends' accounts to help put content, pretty successful and, and um, got a lot of interest from other writers and creators who wanted to you know, over the course of the year, wanted to post content on my site and uh, including including quite a few congressional candidates and, and campaigns um, who, who wanted to share their stuff on there as well. So well, was that uh, the just, aha moment when you actually had congressional campaigns start to come to you and you're like, wait a second? Yeah, it was definitely part of it um, because they they saw they saw sort of a direct line from, you know, a grassroots blog site to. Uh, to a broad, to the broader sort of community and and the um, you know potential donors and and uh, and potential supporters of, uh, across the country you know even for the the interesting thing about elections these days is uh, especially with swing left and sister district and some of the other organizations is that people are kind of embracing this idea of you know supporting people from afar even if they're not th their own their own representative or potential representative and and I think. Uh, the savvy campaigners are, are cluing into that and, uh, and and seeing the value of having a having a really strong presence on social media, even outside of their local area. Right. So, yeah, that that definitely uh, was a was a factor. And then uh, we also did an experiment just before the um, the election. To, there was a Twitter based 
sort of reporting experiment. Uh, we called it Wavecast, and um, and we we recruited a bunch of accounts on Twitter to uh, activists who would who would be out in their local communities who could basically report on the blue wave as it was happening and just share stuff that was kind of state specific using some uh, a set of hashtags that we came up with, and it was just it was absurdly successful. We yeah, had, you got three hundred and twenty million impressions with that, right? Three hundred and twenty million in four days. Wow. Four, uh, yeah. So. We we're like, okay, well, put those two things together. What if we had a, a really high quality um, content hosting platform that could uh, help the grassroots individual activists and, and, and groups get their word out and then pair that with a, an intentional online uh, amplification strategy, you know, taking, getting volunteers to like intentionally spread content. And that's the secret sauce. That. Yeah, that's that's yeah. really sort of the mm-hmm. secret formula in all of this. And I want to talk about the nuts and bolts of all of that. But I will just ask you, what do you think is behind the fact that the right has been so much better than the left at using social media politically? Oh, there's some stuff that goes into it. Uh, I think uh, part of it is a, a relative savviness. Uh, I'll say, you know, I think that it, they're they're smart that they've invested a lot more, that they are investing a lot more in social media and ad buys and that kind of thing on uh, on digital. Uh, I think that the from my, my experience from talking to a lot of the big Democratic donors and uh, sort of institutional folks is that there's it's scary it's scary but they're still not there they they're still sort of doubtful about the importance of social media and all of this and uh you know are, are I'm afraid are going to be prone to uh holding on to the idea that they need to do you know TV ad buys as their main their main way of getting the word out and that's just that's scary because yeah that's not how people are going to win in, in the future. So it's just um, not how it works in 2019. And it wasn't really yeah. how it worked in 2016. You know? Yeah. Or 2018. Yeah. And mm. I think the, the other thing that I'd say is um, that's a big difference between the right and the left is the right is just like, has apparently n- absolutely no fear of just flat out lying and spreading misinformation. You don't which, say, <laughs> yeah, which, which, um, enables them to create and the and the both at the grassroots level and right. you know the, it, through through the party you know the, the the stuff spreads on social media because people have a visceral reaction to it you know either they're drawn to it emotionally or they're repulsed by it emotionally yeah. and that the party and the the infrastructure on the right is totally willing to play into that and we you know i think that we need to do i think that um you know, Obama did a great job during the 2008 campaign in particular of um, using emotion to help get support for his candidacy. It wasn't that kind of emotion. It was it was the hope and change emotion. And, you know, I think that's that's instructive for us going into 2020. So we we definitely at Demcast want to want to focus on getting people hopeful and uh, active and involved and giving them a sense that they can make a difference in their community and And so that's the tone that you're looking to set with a lot of this content. But I'll ask you more specifically, what are the criteria for inclusion on Demcast? Because I know that you're going to aggregate existing content. You Mm -hmm. are also going to be having people who are creating original content. Mm -hmm. What what makes, in your mind, for an ideal uh, piece of Demcast media? 
Yeah. Well, I think it's um, that that it's really saying something. Um, you know, it, we don't uh, we don't need to create you know digital artifacts that are uh, you know just kind of blathering about stuff that everybody's already talking about or with messages that are that are already out there. So we we want to focus on sort of um, activists talking about activism, talking about how uh, how they can make a difference in their communities, how other people can make a difference in their communities um, with real calls to action. So very sort of active focus. Yeah. Uh, we want to report on local uh, news, which is especially local political news. So if your county commission is thinking about instituting some new standards around uh, environmental quality or something like that, and, and there's a there's an event that people could go to or, or a hearing that people could go to 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 stand up for that. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we want to be able to share and amplify. Well, and that's enormously important, too, because um, as we know, local media is in some cases almost non-existent in smaller markets. So blogging and podcasting might be the only coverage that these candidates, these issues, these races get, right? Absolutely. And, and what we, what we hope to do, you know, and, and this isn't the, this isn't always going to be the goal, but something that we've seen um, just even the last couple of weeks. Um, so the, Dan McCready lost the North Carolina nine race. The special the next, election, right. The special yeah. election. And then the next day uh, was nine eleven, and the North Carolina Republican party had told the democratic party that they weren't going to hold any votes, you know, out of deference to the national tragedy. And they held a surprise vote and overrode a veto uh, for a budget bill. And it was, you know, I mean, this is just the slippery crap that we're, you know, it's it's very Republican. I think is the adjective you're looking for. It's very Republican. You know, here 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 in Oregon, they flood the state uh, when they were supposed to take a vote on uh, on environmental. That's right. uh, I should mention you're in Portland. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in Portland. So, but uh, so what we saw was uh, a moment there. So uh, Deb Butler, who's a legislator uh, in the House there got caught on film laying into the Republicans in the, in the house and saying, you know, screaming, I will not yield. And it was just, this is extremely, if you haven't seen it, you should look at, look it up. It won't be hard to find. And that whole situation may have not caught fire or anything. If, if that moment hadn't been caught. And then we helped to spread that. We very intentionally, the Demcast crew um, helped to spread that video very intentionally to the point where we we heard from uh, Deb Butler herself later on, thanking thanking us. For oh wow, it. that's that's very cool. And because what what happens is that local news, you know, isn't isn't prepared to report meaningfully on, on some of these kinds of issues. The the news cycle moves so fast, they move on. But the fact that it got elevated uh, to the to the national platform meant that it stayed in the local news cycle for longer, uh, because it was a national story now. Right. So I think there there's some stuff that we that we can do using social media that can help elevate local issues by making it a national issue and then for you know forcing local press to cover it uh, or just um, 
you know, just getting helping helping it get a lot of traction within the state as well. So, and so of course, the way that this works is the distribution model. So you've got the content on one hand, and then you have this army of volunteer social media influencers, yourself included. These are people with you know uh, social media followers in the six figures. How have you found and brought these people on board to the project? Yeah, well, we're still we're still working on it. Uh, to be honest, we're because we just incorporated as a five hundred one c four in August. So um, obviously, we've been working on the design for this for uh, since basically since the midterm election. But uh, we really just started formal recruitment of volunteers. You know, uh, four weeks ago. So we we had supporters before that, and they've been very helpful as we've been launching. But uh, we we're definitely looking for more people to sign on. But basically, we have a network of people that we've already been working with who are who are excited about backing this effort. So. Well, so then backing up and talking about the content end a little bit, because I, one of the things that I think makes this exciting and unique is the fact that, as I said in the intro, people can make content that will have an impact. And so I, I hear people's ears, uh, listeners, their ears pricking up a little bit over the prospect of this. So yeah. talk a little bit about what and who you you are looking for specifically when it comes to content creation? Sure, sure. So there's four main types of content for Demcast. We've got um, written content, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, podcasting, thank you very much, Hello. Uh, yeah. Stephen, <laughs> for, uh, for, for joining our podcast. That's no, very network. exciting, yeah. Uh, we've got uh, video video creators out there who are um, just create, you know, creating sort of now this style videos, but, you know, Sort of leaner and and uh, maybe not quite as fancy, but but still effective at, at getting a message out about about a particular topic, and then um, and uh, and graphic artists who are you know creating memes and graphics that can accompany social media posts. So those are the those are the main four types of media that we're looking at. Where we are um, uh, on the uh, writing side, um, which is where my heart is. I'm, I'm a of writer, course. and that's kind of where I came from. We're looking for both uh, the sort of op-ed columnist sort of opinion writers, um, people who could potentially do a regular piece, you know, weekly column or something like that, or just a just sort of an irregular or, or as needed uh, post that's an, an op-ed on a particular topic. We're also looking for just, you know, people who want to do reporting, people who want to, you know, do sort of more of a, maybe they, they want to take a beat, you know, they want to look at their... And this is the local fact, kind of reporting that you're talking about. The, the that can be yeah, so impactful. So, so somebody doing, uh, um, you know, I want to look at the environmental subcommittee of, of my state legislature and just right. track everything that they're doing. You know, that that kind of thing. And you know, that's great. And we'd love to publish that kind of stuff. Um, that's it's it's necessary. Uh, we don't, as a as an organization, we don't take. Uh, so we're a nonprofit, five hundred one c four. We don't profit off of anybody's content because we aren't uh, click-driven. We aren't we aren't doing ads on the site, so our costs are going to be the same whether we have you know one thing go up a day or fifty things go up a day. Aside from possibly needing a little bit more editing support if it's if it's that many. Right. Um, but it's a scalable it's a scalable model, and so so we're definitely looking for looking for folks who who want to, who, you know, they could you could be somebody who uh, who you you have your own blog on WordPress or one of the other blog sites, you, maybe you publish on Medium or, you know, some of one, one of the other websites that, that do this kind of thing. 
And so or, if people are doing content elsewhere, they can still be considered for inclusion on Demcast. The, the content is not exclusive to Demcast, is what you're correct. saying. Correct, yeah, and in both ways. If you publish something someplace else and you just want it to show up on Demcast so that it gets more eyeballs, we're super excited to post it. And I will just underline this again in, you know, big uh, yellow highlighter. Um, people who create work that's used on Demcast, they retain full rights to their work. Correct. Yes, yep. absolutely. If you publish on Demcast, we're actually going to encourage you to uh, publish it elsewhere because the the whole the whole idea, the whole ethos of this project is the more eyes, the better. Great. Um, and we have one mechanism for doing that, but the, but we're not the only mechanism for doing that. So absolutely, everybody's work is their own. Um, we we do we will have some some central editing support in addition to people who are volunteering to do social to be on the social media army and all that stuff uh, we've also got volunteer copy editors and content editors uh, some pe many people who have backgrounds in journalism or writing who are going to be sort of screening stuff and just making sure that it um, meets our content standards and and that uh, that it's error free and that kind of thing so we'll, we'll be providing that kind of support as well okay so the $64,000 question is, how do you see Demcast content moving the needle and getting Democrats elected? How does, how does that work in your mind? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's, I think it's all about exposure. Um, I think it's, it, it, you know, we want to be, basically be a, be a bullhorn for messaging that matters at the local state and national level. Um, and, and so it's really just about being there, uh, having the platform, making sure that uh, people have a place to put their stuff where their stuff can be seen. Uh, we're going to make sure that it's distributed and seen by other activists. Um, and, you know, I think that we have the ability, if we do this right, and if we come together and we, we utilize this mechanism, I think that we have an we are going to have an ability to do more steering of the national conversation, uh, the national and the local conversation. You know, I think the current media environment is terrible, um, and you know this this is a way to have a you know not not a, not completely so, but you know have a have a pro blue smart platform that can really move the needle and help help to move the conversation in the direction that we want it to at the at the national and local level. Uh, the other the other promise that I see here is the ability to engage people deeper in activism than whatever they have done in the past. So I know a lot of people in the social media sphere who are kind of the um, armchair activists and just be, and think that like, you know, just retweeting stuff is or reposting stuff is um, is all that they need to do to help sort of save democracy. And I think that, you know, we want to challenge folks to um, to take that a step further. You know, we want we want to publish and amplify pieces that give people other tangible things that they can do. Um, and from from door knocking to calling uh, representatives and everything in between. And I'll, I, w I will just say that there are a lot of people who can't get out in March, right. um, pe people who are on disability or who, who are in failing health, many of whom are some of those social media accounts um, that are that are online all the time. And the other thing that we want to do with this project is honor them 
and give them help them to be a part of a team instead of a free agent yeah. <laughs> uh you know just kind of floating around out there and really try and um sort of all row in the same direction well th- yeah and there is so much energy out there um people really do you you sense this when you go <laughs> onto any social media platform that people care deeply and so I think what you're offering here is the opportunity to channel a lot of that energy in a very useful way. And like I say, you know, content creation and propagation as activism just feels exciting. It feels fresh. So um, I know that you mentioned that you have, uh, you know, you've you've gone the nonprofit route. So Uh you are going to be relying on investors, contributors donors. Um, Where can people go to learn more and potentially uh, help support the project? Yeah, thank you for for asking that question. Of course. Uh, We we are, uh, no, we are really, really excited uh, for people to go to DemcastUSA.com. That is our, um, that's D-E-M-C-A-S-T. And I will have that, right? And I'll have that at IndivisiblePodcast.org for people to check out. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And because um, we the, literally this the, the, our content platform just launched on Wednesday. So this is this is brand new. We've been we've been uh, building up to this for quite a while. Uh, we on our uh, second day, we had a, a post up from Ron Wyden and uh, we, we had some uh, congressional candidates posting and, and other folks. Uh, a, uh, That's great. Somebody somebody from Illinois who's a ran for county county chair in the last election announced her candidacy to to rerun for that that seat so people are using it and and in addition to all those all those folks you know lots of uh, great grassroots content is already up there so everybody should go there is a donate button uh prominently in red <laughs> and we <laughs> definitely welcome uh, grassroots support this is a grassroots effort um, we do, you know, we have, we have site costs where, you know, we're, we're definitely going to, um, if, if this continues to grow and become more complicated and more networked, we're definitely going to have increasing costs on the, on the, uh, inf- personnel infrastructure side. So, um, anything that folks can give is great. And we, we ultimately we're, what we hope is that people might want to contribute monthly, like they would to say, a a Washington Post or something like that, and think about it as a you know a sub- almost a subscri- subscription to Demcast. Well, we we will never have a paywall, but that's a I think a, a good frame for people who appreciate getting good content and um, and you know just whatever you can give on a monthly basis would be our favorite kind of donation. But we will mm-hmm. certainly take whatever people can can give and and beyond giving money, get, uh, giving your time. I mean, this is a big team effort. So uh, whether you're interested in contributing to the site in terms of content or have been thinking about starting that podcast, you know, for, for, for so long and, and, and might want to, might want to try your hand at that. Yeah. Or if you, if you're active on social media and, and are interested in helping to learn how to amplify um, using our network and our hashtags and all that, um, we'd love all any and all kinds of support that people can get. There is a role for everybody in this, and I just I think it's great, man. Nick Knudsen is the founder of Demcast Media. Nick, it's, uh, it's exciting to be part of the project, and thanks for joining us on the show, man. Thank you. Recently, the city of Tacoma announced that the Tacoma Fire Department has launched what is called a safe station program to help those who are struggling with opioid addiction. This is the first program like it in the state. And to help us learn more about this, we are joined by Tacoma Deputy Mayor Connor McCarthy. Uh, Deputy Mayor Connor McCarthy, welcome. 
Thanks so much for having me, Stefan. So can you just give us a sense of how the opioid crisis has impacted Tacoma and the, and the surrounding areas? Yeah, sure. I mean, Tacoma, not unlike uh, many urban centers across the nation, has uh, unfortunately seen you know an uptick in the number of individuals using heroin and, and misusing opioids. And as a result of that, we've seen increases in uh, not just those folks who uh, um, develop substance use disorders, but increases in the number of uh, fatalities uh, from overdose. So Pierce County has an overdose death rate that's that's above the state average, um, but we we have a problem, and, and not unlike many communities. And but we're we're doing everything we can to address it. So uh, a couple of years ago, my colleague at the Pierce County Council, Derek Young, and I formed uh, what we called the Tacoma Pierce County Opioid Task Force, which was really just a, a regional effort to try and get all the stakeholders together to see you know, how we could really move the needle to drive down uh, addiction, drive down overdose fatalities, and increase the number of individuals on the way to recovery. And so as a result of that, the city of Tacoma developed an opioid response plan. And one component of that is uh, something I'm very excited about, um, which is our, our new safe station program that we just launched a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, tell us what that is. Tell us what it means to be a safe station. So a safe station is a safe place to go for anyone who is ready for treatment that provides an immediate, no barrier, barrier, stigma-free entry point for treatment. And by treatment, I mean medically-assisted treatment. This is the treatment proven to save lives, um, which is medicine and behavioral health treatment. So what it is, is currently with our pilot project, it's one fire station, Fire Station 1, uh, which is located in 901 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma. If you come to the fire station or your loved one or your friend or anybody, um, tw- it's open 24 hours a day. If you show up and you ask for help uh, with respect to an opioid use addiction problem, we will, after doing some immediate kind of emergency triage to determine whether or not you have to go to the emergency room, if you don't, we will immediately, uh, the fire department will transport you to a clinic that we've partnered with that will immediately uh, provide any kind of stabilization medical treatment you might need right away and then enroll you in ongoing treatment. And all the barriers that get in the way in terms of transportation or waiting for, let's say, Medicaid to approve you, all those barriers are removed. You get immediate same-day treatment. And uh, part part of this project, um, although it's different than the safe stations is we launched just a few weeks before we launched the safe station, uh, what we call our Tacoma cares unit or mobile unit. And this is a mobile vehicle that has a nurse in it that is able to go anywhere and, um, and meet individuals where they are when they need that kind of assistance and provide the same treatment you would otherwise get at the clinic for if example, you come when the clinic's not open. And what I think makes this unique and innovative and potentially very effective is the fact that studies show that treatment is far more successful when somebody who's struggling with addiction shows up and they're able to get treatment right then and not get put on a waiting list. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our goal is to treat that request for help, that individual that says they're ready or they or they want to you know, engage in a treatment process, to treat that request with the same urgency we would if there was a 911 call for someone overdosing. 
and to remove, like that 911 call where you get that treatment right of way, that emergency treatment, you're going to get the uh, medically assisted treatment you need right away. So one of the things we learned, Tacoma was uh, the only city west of the Mississippi to receive a grant uh, from the Mayor's Institute of National League of Cities a few years ago to kind of receive technical assistance and receive the opportunity to meet with uh, a bunch of cities on the East Coast who have kind of a more pronounced opioid epidemics. And that's where I learned about this program from the fire chief of Manchester, New Hampshire, who made a presentation and said that uh, they, they opened this fire station, they invited the community to come in, anyone who needed help, and they were surprised at the number of individuals who showed up. So we, we are, as you said, we're the first city in the state of Washington to open up the safe station. I think there's around 39 jurisdictions nationwide that are using it. But yeah, the key to this is to remove as many barriers as possible and to provide that treatment, that real treatment, uh, that medicine, and then the follow-up behavioral health treatment immediately. And, and to build that confidence with the folks who want treatment, who, who may have asked for help before, and we're told that it's two days, three days, um, paperwork, waiting, and that just doesn't work with the strength of this physical addiction of opioids. Well, I think there are going to be a lot of cities and communities here in the state that are going to be watching what's happening there very closely and tracking the success. What has been the response thus far from the community in Tacoma? Well, we just we just launched. I want to say uh, three weeks ago. Um, I haven't got the official number from the fire department, but I think they've served, served dozens of people. What was really moving is when we did our press conference and press release. Someone from the recovery community um, showed up with an individual that obviously we didn't, you know, identify or put on the uh, camera who who went and went to the treatment center. But that's that's. Part of the reason I'm on your podcast, Stefan, is I want more people to know. I mean, I'm working with our Tacoma's media people to make sure we get a better presence. You know, I want as many uh, people as possible to know, um, and I want it to be successful. And I and, and I know it's been successful in other communities. But we're, one of the things I, I really want to do is change the narrative from the, the despair and the death that's so often thought about. We want to change that narrative to the narrative of recovery. So. Working to partner better with the recovery community, there are you know thousands of examples of individuals in our community who have sex successfully put their lives in a better place through treatment, and who are willing to kind of wrap their arms around everybody else who's on that you know daunting path of recovery. And so, um, yeah, the more that one of the things we're doing is trying to work better with the recovery community to make sure the individuals that they they uh, engage with the uh, the needle exchange we work with closely here, and, and uh, they're a partner. And so, um, you know, the more partners involved in this type of work who, who know, the, the more the word will get out. Well, it's just such a tremendous development. And I just want to say thank you for all of the great work that you're doing. And thanks for uh, joining us on the show. Thank you so much, Stefan. Connor McCarthy is the deputy mayor of Tacoma. And that is it for this week's show. If you missed anything, if you would like to catch up on past shows, if you would like links to the things that we talked about, you can find all of that and more at indivisiblepodcast.org. You can always subscribe to the show there too. If you would like to get in touch, the email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com and the Twitter handle is at indivisiblepod. 
The Washington State Indivisible podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. and, yes, is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Our associate producer is Charlotte Gittleman. Thank you again to my guests Nick Knudsen and Connor McCarthy. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.